my child. My child. I'm free to raise it in any way I want to. I am responsible to free the mind of my students. My job is to do whatever it takes to help the students. the purpose of this umbrella? Now, when an umbrella is working right, I got to be careful, make sure I got enough space here. You uh, push a button, it extends, and it offers protection to people. Now, here's a fundamental question about the science regarding, you know, how a, an umbrella works. To whom does it offer protection? Whoever's under it. You can have an umbrella. Won't do you any good if you don't extend it. You can extend it. But until you get under it, you're not going to get any protection from it. Now, there are people who might say, I don't believe in umbrellas. And it's real easy to understand or to pick out who those people are. If you go to the movie theater right after a big East Texas rainstorm, this is real fresh in my mind because I remember doing this more than one occasion. You walk into the movie theater and you can tell which people don't believe in umbrellas, can't you? Because their hair is jacked. It's drooping, dripping. Their makeup, mascara is everywhere. Um, their clothes are wet and they're usually shivering because they don't believe in umbrellas. Or at least they didn't on that occasion. But you can also tell the people who do believe in umbrellas, umbrella people, because they may be a little bit wet, you know, down at the bottom of their shoes and, and their pants. Because after all, they came through the exact same storm that everyone else did, but they were protected. You can feel a sermon breaking out, can't you? Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to think about the authority structure of God. God wants us to be under the umbrella of his authority. And I want you to think about throughout history. If you've ever read any of your Bible or if you've just heard history. 
Any time that a nation or an individual was blessed by God, it was always when they were under God's authority, when they were under authority. But if a nation or an individual were cursed by God, it was always because they chose to step out from under that authority. And so today I want us to think about God's authority. What is the umbrella of God's authority? Well, it's the Bible. What is the Bible? That's God's word. Which you got the answer to that earlier. In the Bible, it calls itself God's word. Whenever the Bible speaks, God speaks. And in the Bible, the most common phrase to describe itself is the word of God. In the first five books of the, of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, it is mentioned 500 times the word of God in the prophets. That's those letters that um, that are written by prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of those guys. It's mentioned over a thousand times the word of God in the Old Testament. It's mentioned over four thousand times the word of God. And in the New Testament, it calls itself the word of God 44 times. So. When on your listening guides, it says the word of God equals the authority of God. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. Now. God wants us to live under the authority of his word, but is that really what's happening? The people, you know, do they live under God's authority? I mean, are they just going around saying, you know, I need to figure out what God says before I make decisions in my life? Or are most people just living life on their own? I think most people are living life on their own. And in fact, I think that most people have one of three responses to the Bible. The first response is some people just deny the Bible. I don't believe in umbrellas. I don't need umbrellas. I call the shots. I am in control. A person has eye trouble. I want to sit on the throne. And, you know, that's uh, that's very much like um just the person that, that you see at the movie theater who's all drenched in rain because they are living outside God's protection. And so God says, when you step out from under there, you're going to subject yourself to all the attacks of hell, not hail, hell. And so God says, if you want to be protected, you got to get under there. But these people deny the Bible even exists. I don't even want to go there. There's a second group of people and they distort the Bible. Now, these folks um, will take an obscure passage of the Bible and they'll make a whole theology out of it. This is what the cults do. This is what folks like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and, and the Mormons do. They've taken one little obscure section of the Bible, which, you know, doesn't have a whole lot to do with anything. And they'll make it into a whole doctrine of belief, a whole religion. And that's kind of like taking this little drink umbrella. One little bitty piece of truth. And building all of this false error around and then saying, come get under my little authority. Doesn't work and God doesn't bless those people. Charles Taz Russell was the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses. When he was 18 years old, he was leading a Bible study. Wasn't a scholar, hadn't been taught. He decides he doesn't like the idea of hell. So he just removes that from his doctrine, takes the idea of heaven Builds a whole religion on the idea of heaven, but he leaves out the whole idea of hell. He basically just changed the Bible. He distorted the Bible so that he could get followers to him. Now, there's a third category, and I think most people fall into this category. These folks disregard the Bible, or at least they disregard the portions of the Bible that they don't like. 
Now, you may have noticed that there are all kinds of translations today available. One of them is NLT, New Living Translation. We've got the King James Version, which is written for people, you know, like 300 years ago. If you've ever read it, some of you have a hard time with that because it's not written for you. But there's lots of lots of translations today. There's the uh, um, New Century Version. There's the New Living Translation. There's the Living Translation. There's all kinds of translations out there today. But there also tends to be your translation and my translation. Your translation, my version and your version kind of goes like this. We read along in the Bible and we see that it says, don't commit adultery. I don't want that. That's too rough. Or you'll see um, submit to authority. No way, man. I don't want that. Love my wife as Christ loved the church. <laughs> uh, now, submit wife, submit to your husbands. Yeah, baby. Use that one. Tithe. You want me to give 10 percent of my income to the church, please. You want me to love my wife like Christ loved the church? No, I can't. No. But I'll take this. That makes as much sense as using this umbrella. God does not bless that person. If you disregard portions of the Bible, you disregard them at your own risk. And I promise you this, you will live an incomplete life and you will have an incomplete faith because God does not bless someone in this position. The only ones, Christian or non-Christian, that God says he will bless are the people who choose to get in this position. And so what you've got to do is you've got to learn to get under the things that God wants you to be under so that he can put you over the things that he wants you to be over. So another way to think of that is. Not that one. I ripped that one up. This one. This is a full one. God wants you to get under this, his authority, so that he can put you over this, your life. God has created every one of you to lead something. And maybe the reason that your life is not turning out the way you want it to. Maybe the reason you don't have purpose. Maybe the reason you don't spring out of bed every day. You spring out of bed and say, good Lord, it's morning. Instead of saying, Good morning, Lord, is because you have no purpose in your life. And it's right here because you're not under God's authority. Today, I want us to spend some time figuring out what the Bible really is like. So maybe, maybe you'll be ready to to spend some more time in it. That's why we gave you Bibles. We'll talk more about that in a minute. We're going to have a Bible reading challenge over the next two months. All we're going to try to do is get through two books of the Bible. We're going to try to get through Matthew and Luke because those are the ones that contain the Christmas story. And it will prepare you for our whole Christmas series that's coming up. But I know if we're going to be honest today, most of us in the room or folks that are going to listen to this, either on the Internet or, or CDs that they get. Most of us don't spend much time reading the Bible. And uh, there's all kinds of reasons for that. We're busy. Um. We don't care what the Bible says. We can't understand it because we've been trying to read in a, in a translation that was written for folks three, four hundred years ago. Or sometimes we just think, well, you know, God's really just like me. Why do I need to read to get to know God? Because he's really just like me, only with some real cool supernatural powers added on. So I know what I'm like. I know what God's like. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, God speaking, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. 
And then he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is nothing like us. And the reason our lives are not being successful. And by that, I don't mean riches and fame and all that. I mean, having meaning and purpose to get up every day is because we're not living under God's authority. So let's figure out what the Bible says, what it is. And what it says about us, and then maybe we'll be motivated to spend more time in it. First thing on your listening guides, the Bible is a letter. It's a letter. There are 39 letters in the Old Testament. 39 books. They're all letters written to you. And there are 27 in the New Testament. The Bible is a collection of letters to us. It's a book of affirmation. You know, I have every love letter that my wife has ever written to me. I didn't keep other chicks love letters. That's kind of weird. Um, and that could cause problems. I have every one, though. I have stacks and they're all over the place. Used to be in my office, but now my office is at home. So now they're they're stacked around different places. I even have an email that Janie sent me three years ago. Some of the love letters I can't share in public, but, but this one I can. This was from two years ago. I haven't sent you an email in a long time. I wanted to tell you how much I love you and what a wonderful father you are. The kids and I are so lucky. You are such a huge part of our lives. You're a fun dad who comes home and plays and is happy to see us. Thank you for making us a priority. I know you are busy raising a church and I think you've done a fantastic job. Here on our second anniversary, we sure have come a long way. We never would have imagined that we would be where we are today two years ago sitting in your truck. We were praying about whether we should start a church at at Lower Lake sitting in my truck Crying out to God, what do we do? What do we do? We couldn't imagine where we are today when we're sitting in a truck. I'm glad we took the leap and I'm glad we did it together. Always remember, I am here beside you, supporting you in all you do. I love you and I'm glad I won the prize. Why do I keep that? Because someone likes me. Someone thinks I'm handsome and smart and strong. I don't care if you do. Someone else does and I got proof. When we were dating... The, the, the last time we dated before we got married, we lived three hours apart and it was torture saying goodbye on weekends when she'd have to go back to college. I was living in Austin. She was going to college at Sam Houston State. We wrote letters like there was no tomorrow. And I would go home every day, open up the mailbox, looking for those letters, rip them open and read them, read them again, call her, read them again, you know, and I would keep those things because somebody like me. I know you find that hard to believe, but I liked it and I pursued Janie and she liked being pursued by me. And it made us act all funny and, you know, feel funny all over and act goofy and say dumb things because someone else had affection for us. The Bible is God's love letter to you. Look what it says in Jeremiah 31, 3. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with an unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. The Bible calls God a pursuing lover. But the average person doesn't know that. You want to know why? Because they've never heard God say it to them. And, you know, I've been a minister for 23 years now, youth minister or pastor. And, and there have been times throughout my ministry at youth camp and doing youth things and, and preaching at different churches when I have asked people, you know, I just let me do a quick survey and I'll say, how many of you would like to know what God wants you to do? 
Anybody curious? And, and I've never had anybody not raise their hand because I'll say, would you like to know what the God of the universe wants from you? Would you like to know his opinion? And everybody's like, yeah, man, I'd like to know his opinion. But people will then go, but God never speaks to me. Yes, he has in the Bible, but you'll never hear him speak unless you get into the Bible, unless you get the Bible into you. And we say this all the time. Prayer allows you to talk to God. Meditation, where you are reading the Bible and thinking about it, not just reading it to get through it, but meditating on the Bible allows God to speak to you. I don't know how many times sitting in my recliner in my house, I'll be reading the Bible and just sitting there. And all of a sudden I hear not an audible voice, but I'll hear this voice and I'll I'll think, wow, that's deep. And I think I'm not smart enough to have figured that out. God must be talking to me. I better write it down. But a lot of people spend no time in the Bible, so they never hear from God. Now, there are 168 hours in a week. How much time? Now, you don't have to answer this out loud. How much time do you spend reading the Bible, God's word during an average week? What do you spend most of your time doing? Just help me out. Tell me what you do when you're not here on Sunday morning. We'll give you credit for Sunday morning. That's one hour. So 167 hours left in the week. What do you do? Work. We've got to work. Got to pay bills. God says to work. That's a good thing. What else? School? Sleep? We, I asked you all that question several months ago. How many of you get enough sleep? And like none of you get enough sleep. So need to spend a little more time doing that. What else? Somebody said something else. Eating. TV. Watching football. What? Hunting. I hadn't been out yet. It's opening weekend. I'm going tomorrow. Praise God. Yeah, I say that. I probably won't get to go tomorrow either. We spend all of this time. With other people. Now, let me let me just give you a scenario. What if the people that you're hanging out with don't like God? What if they're the type of people that say, I don't believe in umbrellas. I don't believe in the Bible. That's just that was written a long time ago. It's fairy tales. It's all that stuff. What if the television shows or the movies that you're watching, those people don't know God and they don't hang out with God. When it comes time to make a decision in your life, who are you going to be more influenced by? The Bible? God? Or the people that you're hanging out with. I mean, just if it were a scale, weigh 167 hours versus one hour. Which one are you going to be listening to more? The world. Yeah, the 167. Exactly. God has written this, you this love letter that contains instructions on how to do life. And the reason you and I mess up is when we step out from under God's authority. The Bible isn't all that difficult. See some people. It's kind of hot. Would you all hit the AC back there, Jeff? The Bible isn't all that difficult. Let me just boil it down for you real quickly. The Bible has one villain. Who's that? Satan. The Bible has one hero. Who's that? And it has one message. You know what that message is from the very first until the end? It is Jesus saves. The Bible tells me who I am, what I am, and what I could become. And the reason we don't know anything is because we don't read it. The impact the Bible could have if we would just spend a little bit of time every day reading it. And the purpose is not to get you into the Bible, it's to get the Bible into you so that somehow it gets into your life and it shows up in your actions. All right. The second thing. First thing is Bible is a letter to you from God. Second thing is Bible is light. The Bible is light. Psalm 119, 105 says your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. The Bible is light. That means it's all about direction. Look at Psalm 119, 130. As your words are taught, they give light. Even the simple can understand them. 
when the lights go out in your home, where do you go? If it's daytime, you open the shades and all that stuff. But at night, where do you go? Get a flashlight. I have one of those plug-in flashlights, and if my children will leave it alone, it will be there when the lights go out. But usually they, you know, run the battery down and play with it, all that. But I go there because it has this little light, and when the electricity goes off, boom, it automatically comes on. But I go from there to my laundry room where we have just this plethora of, of uh, flashlights all over the place. we got all kinds of flashlights. If that's not good enough, if it looks like we're going to be without electricity for a long time, then I go out in the garage and I get my propane lantern and I hook that sucker up because it'll light up uh, three-fourths of my house. Now, why do we do that when the electricity goes out? Because nobody wants to sit around in the dark if you don't have to. Well, the world is darkened with sin. Where do we go when we need light? Go to the Word of God. We make decisions every day. How do we make wise decisions? How do we know if those decisions are right? Well, you go to the Word of God, the Creator of the universe. When, when I turn on my headlights, or you turn on your headlights, does it light up everything in the world for you to see? Lights up just enough the path for you to go a little ways, and then assuming your lights are still working, you go a little bit further and you go a little bit further. Here's the point. God's word is light and God reveals himself to us as we get into his word. But he doesn't keep on speaking to us if we don't obey those things that he's already given us. So if you think of the whole light analogy, God gives us just enough light to make it through today. And if we're obedient, then he shows us more for tomorrow. He only guarantees us. That he will continue showing us what to do if we're under his authority. So the Bible is a letter. It's light. And the Bible is also lunch. Lunch. Y'all are thinking about it, aren't you? We're moving on. We got time. We got time. The Bible is lunch. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, your words are what sustain me. They are food to my hungry soul. They bring joy to my sorrowing heart and delight me. If you're dry spiritually, I can tell you the answer. I can tell you why. It's because you're not spending any time feeding on God's Word. And I don't just mean reading it. I mean feeding on it. Um, and I, I've been in, in a lot of churches in my 23 years in ministry. I've been in a lot of churches. And, and a lot of churches have a lot of fat Christians. Now, I don't, that doesn't have anything to do with your physical weight. Okay. Nothing to do with your physical weight. Y'all are laughing because you know who I'm talking about. People that have been sitting on their spiritual rear ends for 50 years, hearing God's word proclaimed over and over and over again. And they've never done a darn thing with it. You see, the Bible is given as nourishment. We want you to feed on and digest God's word. That gives you calories spiritually to do something. In, in fact, in our 101 class, you'll hear me say one of the scriptures that, that we believe um, that, that is foundational for us is worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, we get it out of order. The reason that when we serve, we get burned out is because we're not spending enough time worshiping, feeding on God's word and we get burned out. If we get the order correct, like God tells us to worship the Lord, that's where you get the power to serve. But I've been in all these churches where where there's not enough volunteers and all of these people are sitting on their rear saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. You know, we ought to bring out the high chair again. I did this one time where you got 
mature, supposedly Christian sitting in the eye chair, not the high chair, the eye chair saying, feed me more. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. I need more. You really want to go deeper? Get off your butt and do something. <laughs> I just wanted to say that to see how you would react. <laughs> I want to read you a letter, a card that Danielle Maldonado gave to me for Pastor Appreciation Month or whatever we just celebrated. Um, it says Bueno. <laughs> Long story, but I say Bueno a lot if something Bueno, you know, so that's what Alex and Danielle have taught their kids to call me. So I'm Uncle Bueno. So she says, she says, bueno, that's pretty funny. White man with no hair being called Uncle Bueno. Thank you so much for constantly giving to us in the church. Your passion for the church is contagious. Never before have I loved and cared about the church as I do now. Thank you for constantly giving even when no one else does or you feel that way. Here's the point, part I want you to get. I'm also grateful for you letting me serve. What? I love what I do. You rarely see her up here. I give her a hard time because it seems like every time she comes up, we have a guest preacher and I say she just doesn't want to hear me. She's always downstairs with the kids. And she's this is probably the third or fourth um, card I've gotten like this from her where she says, thank you for letting me serve because I love what I'm doing. And she says several other things. But I wanted you to hear that because if you want purpose in life. Feed on God's word and then serve somebody. My kids still talk about the time we went in the neighborhood and raked leaves, just knocked on doors, raked leaves, had a blast. If you want to hear a funny experience, talk to Fabian. He went up and knocked on the door and the dude was nude in there. So no telling what you're going to find, you know, if you go serve. But um, I think you had kids with you, too, didn't you? And, and they were like, he's like, oh, don't go up there. <laughs> we don't want that experience for our kids. But when we served, Hannah, my youngest, said the other day, she goes, Daddy, that was so much fun. That was two years ago when we went out and served. We did a, a gasoline buy down where we did a 25 cent discount on gas over here at, at Kroger. And people are like, why are you doing this? Just because God's blessed us and we want to bless others. Man, people were coming in there, you know, trying to fill up on everything. Had one big old trucker. I think he had like a 185 gallon tank. We're like, dude, you got to limit it. 50 gallons. You know, we want, we want to spread this around. But when you serve people, you go home feeling good on the inside. It's because you're like your creator. God created you to serve. That's part of your purpose in life. Um, so we've got to feed on God's word and then we've got to serve. And here's what I want you to do. I want, I want you to think about this. When people ask you, because people all the time ask, what kind of church is New Life Community Church, NLCC? What kind of church is that? Here's the answer. We are a Bible-believing People-serving church. Right? That's it. Bible-believing, people-serving church. If we get those two things right, then we, will, then we will hear God say, good job. That's what I want you to be in this world. Now, I want you to look at Proverbs 28, 26. It says, a man is a fool to trust himself. But those who use God's wisdom are safe. Where are you going to go for wisdom? To your news station? To your newspaper, Sports Illustrated, ESPN.com, ESPN Radio. Are you going to go there for wisdom? Because I've heard some really whack stuff coming off of the, those radio waves and off the television waves. I've heard some jacked up stuff about how to do life. Or are you going to go to God's Word? 
You can choose which way you're going to go. Because, see, I like to go to a buffet. I love buffets because I can get what I want and I can get as much of what I want as I want. And that other stuff, well, I don't jack with that. But we try to do that in church. We try to do that with God. Grace, I like grace. Forgiveness, I like forgiveness. Judgment, no. Hell, no. Not hell, no, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) The idea, I wasn't cursing. The idea of hell, no. Maybe I said it that way. And, And the whole thing is we try to pick and choose. And God says, you will not be blessed. You will not be in the blessed place if you do that. Now... God gives us the 66 books of the Bible because he wants us to have a balanced diet. And when you get under this balanced diet, then you are kept safe is what the Bible tells you. But most of us aren't under the authority of God. And that's why we're not kept safe. That's why we don't make the wise decisions. And what we're going to do, I told you, is read the Bible, this little New Testament. We're going to read two love letters from God. There are 56 days left in this year, and we're going to read 52 chapters Do the math. You get a couple of days off for uh, Thanksgiving and we're going to read one chapter a day and we're going to show you in just a minute how you can learn from that, how you can do more than just read, how you can digest it. So the Bible is a letter. It's light. It's lunch. And last thing, the Bible is life. Now, you have Bibles there. And so I'd like to ask you, turn up the lights just a little bit. Turn to page 190. Don't look. I think there's a whatever. There's all this introductory stuff. But turn to page 190. And what you're looking for is Hebrews 4.12. Now, we always make it so easy for you because we put the scripture up here, but we want you to actually see this in the Bible. We want you to read it from those little Bibles that are your free gift today. Hebrews 4.12. Anybody found it? For the word of God is full of living power. Let me just stop right there. It's the only book in the history of the world That as you read it, it reads you. It's full of living power. Next, it is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Now, why would the Bible need to expose us for what we really are? Because we're a bunch of liars. I mean, let's be honest. We we cover up our own sins, while a lot of times seeing those same sins in others... The Bible needs to cut away the junk, the lies that are in our lives. And the Bible actually has to perform surgery on us. And the Bible tells me exactly what I'm like. But it also tells me that I can have a new heart. Because when when I read the Bible and it reads me, it says I have a diseased, calloused heart that needs to be replaced with a new one. And the Bible tells me how to get that new heart. Folks whine and complain all the time that God is not answering their prayers. If I ask just a few diagnostic questions, it's real apparent after just a short time that in most of those cases, when people say God's not answering me, it's because there's sin in their life. They've stepped out from under God's authority. They're living outside. And so God says, I am not going to bless you because you are disobedient. There's sin in your life. Turn to page 183. Back a few pages. You're looking for 2 Timothy 3.16. On page 183. This is why you need to understand it's so dangerous to have this umbrella right here. Let's read it together. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. Some of the scripture. All scripture. And so God wants us to spend time reading and studying all of the scripture so that he can reveal to us his plan for our lives. He can reveal to us how we can have this full and abundant life. David and Wes are going to share a song with you. Why don't you just listen to the words of this song, and then we'll finish. Finding myself at a loss for words, and it's okay. That's when I hear God speak. And I don't know if you've ever just stopped. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. The pace of our lives is out of control. When I stop, and honor God with some of my time, that's when He speaks to me. So we're going to hand you some sheets. We're going to have these things. They're little devotional-like sheets. And I just want to explain to you real quickly how to use them. I think they're self-explanatory, but I'm going to explain it anyway. Because that's our Doug. Yes, that's how we do things around here. Um, we're going to read one chapter a day starting tomorrow. So tomorrow we're starting in Matthew chapter one. And we we had debated reading the whole New Testament. We said, no, that's too much. Then we debated reading Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And I started looking at how many chapters you're going to have to read. I said, no, it's too much. Let's start small, bite sized chunks. One chapter is not too much. All right. We're going to use something called the soap method. All right. You'll see the soap method on your your sheet. Everybody got a sheet? You don't have one. Raise your hand. All right, everybody's got a sheet. Let's talk about it real quickly. Tomorrow, as you read in the New Living Translation, and, and you don't have to read it in this translation, but all of our trivia questions over the next several weeks are going to come from the New Living Translation. So if you want a Bible bar, <laughs> and you do, um, <laughs> then you need to read in the New Living Translation. The reason we give it to you is very easy to understand. It is, it, and you can even read in the, in the front part of it, in the introduction, how it was compi- comprised, the, the scholars that spent time on it, how they translated. I mean, it, there's a lot of good information in there. But read Matthew chapter one. And here's what I do when I'm reading. I, I say to God, God, show me one thing that you want me to learn from this scripture, from this chapter that I'm reading. Several weeks ago on uh, October 26th, I was reading through Luke chapter one. And as I was reading, the scripture that stuck out was. God can do anything. Now, the second thing on your, your guide there is observation. The O stands for observation. So I wrote down Luke 137. That's what I have in my little journal here. Luke 137. The O stands for observation. So as I was just sitting there thinking about it, meditation. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. So meditation is just taking the Bible and thinking on chew on it over and over. That's what worry is. You're worrying about the wrong things. So chew on on God's word. So as I was just thinking, I was sitting there in my chair thinking, I wrote this for observation. The angel Gabriel had just announced to Mary that she would have a child. And I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about this, you know, someone just a little older than my daughter and the angel coming to her and saying, you're going to have a child. And what does Mary say? She goes, How can this be because I'm a virgin? Logical question for a 12 or 13 year old girl to ask. And the angel says, God can do anything. 
And then the angel says to prove it, he says, Elizabeth, her cousin, was old and barren, never had a child. He says, Elizabeth is now in her sixth month with a child. and He's going to be named John. And I'm going, wow, God can do anything. A virgin can get pregnant by God's Holy Spirit. An old woman who's never had a baby before can get pregnant. God can do anything. John the Baptist came from this barren old lady. Jesus came from a virgin teenager. God can do anything. That's what I wrote down for observation. Now, the, the uh, A is application. Application means I've got to get it from the pages here, not just here, but into my life. So how does that apply to me? God can do anything. I started thinking about the future of our church. And, and what we've been doing, I've looked at pieces of land, I've looked at buildings, I've looked at all kinds of things. Y'all know this if you've been here any amount of time. For two years, we've been looking for another place to go. Someplace we can call our own. And so that's what I was thinking. God, you can do anything. God, you know where we are. God, you know our circumstances. You can do anything. So then, that's what, how I was applying this. God can do anything. As I drive around town now, I look at a building, I say, God, you can do anything. I look at some land, I say, God, you can do anything. And so then the P of soap is prayer. Here's what I wrote on that day. Lord, you know our struggle to do church differently. You know that we need a place to call our own. Would you go before us and prepare a place for us? Would you allow us to purchase land? And would you help us to build a nice building that we can call our own and have a home? You can do anything. All right. You see how that works? So it's real simple. And that whole process took me about six to seven minutes. If you don't have six to seven minutes for God, don't expect God's blessings in your life. I'm not talking about 24 hours a day, although that the Bible says to be in the spirit of prayer 24-7. All I'm talking about is, is starting your day. And for me, it's, it's the first part of the day. Starting your day like this. Saying, God, this world is too rough for me. I can't handle it on my own. I'm going to spend just a little bit of time getting under your authority. So all the garbage out there, it's still going to happen, but I'll be protected from it. Would you take your registration cards?